This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead with the Moorhead team, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we have Michelle Pitcher, and she covers residential real estate here in Austin for the Austin Business Journal, which I know is something that all of us real estate professionals and real estate investors in Austin are just constantly scouring to get all the updates. Uh, hey, Michelle, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was not joking. I know myself and many colleagues and many other real estate investors I know are just reading the Austin Business Journal every morning and keeping their eye on all the types of articles that you publish and the other information you guys put out. So real quick, could you tell our listeners who you are and how you're involved with the real estate industry in Austin? Absolutely. So like you mentioned, my name's Michelle Pitcher, and I've been covering residential real estate housing and affordability for the Austin Business Journal since about last May. Okay, that's awesome. Um, I already, you, you brought up some stuff that I think everybody's interested in, housing and affordability in Austin, which is, is rapidly getting more and more unaffordable. Um, before we move on, I guess, what are you most excited about with affordable housing? And I've got something in mind that I think you might have covered the article with. Um, what's most exciting to you with housing possibly becoming more affordable here in Austin? Yeah, so on a personal note, I'm a lifelong renter, so it's a bit interesting to cover the single-family housing market from my perspective. But I do also cover multifamily as well, because I think that, uh, as you probably know, Austin is a majority renter city. So when we talk about affordability, we can and should and do talk about single-family housing which then has a spillover effect into the rental market. So I'm really excited every time I hear about developers or builders who are coming up with unique ways to decrease their own uh, production costs. So I'm talking about things like modular housing or 3D printing or tiny homes. Um, and it's always interesting to see what sorts of innovations and development developments people are going to uh, come up with next. But I also think that here in Austin, one of the biggest things uh, that's impacting affordability is at the city level with the land development code. So uh, one of my colleagues and I cover the, uh, the city level and the LDC and the rewrite pretty closely. And I think that as we're seeing the city make moves to make it easier to develop things like granny flats um, and making it easier to do infill and things like that, then we'll see, you know, it's hard because affordability feels like this huge problem that you can only chip away at, but it, it feels like if some of these things can be addressed, then we can take bigger chunks out of the problem. Um, 
Awesome. Um, and best I understand, they've given up trying to tackle the whole issue of the land development code, and they're starting to single in on stuff like granny flats and infill individually. So saying, hey, we're going to make granny flats easier to build. ADUs, people call them ADUs. They call them granny flats, mother-in-law. Um, a house in the back behind another house is the easiest way to look at it on a lot of uh, properties out there. But um, anything you've seen recently that I, I haven't read on that? Yeah, so you're exactly right that they are taking this piecemeal approach. Um, and, you know, that some people are very much for it. Incremental progress is still progress. Um, and some people are against, you know, sort of singling in on parts that maybe they wouldn't prioritize. So it's a bit of a hairy issue and you you kind of get people who are um, seeing it from, from their own perspectives in terms of development. But I think I'm not quite sure what they're going to do next, but I also do know that in addition to the city of Austin, some of the suburbs around are also looking at their land development codes. So places like Dripping Springs are updating their own in the face of all the growth. So when we talk about affordability, uh, particularly at the Business Journal, we're looking at the whole region. Mm -hmm. um, and as we all know, it's kind of like a dam has broken. And so people are spilling out into the suburbs, north, south, east, and west. There's really nowhere where it hasn't, uh, people haven't been affected, property values haven't been affected. So um, I think, it's important that we keep an eye on the entire area's land development code. And, you know, maybe we'll see a small suburb in Austin really hit it out of the park with their, their rewrites um, and can look to that. But to be completely honest, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen next in the city of Austin. Yeah, no, it's, I think you can never really know exactly what's going to happen next, especially when it's, there's so many moving parts and there's so many different people involved, but I know we're all really excited to see how they can change this land development code and how they can help people build more housing in areas that people desperately need more housing. So really excited to hear more about that. Obviously, I will keep an eye. Uh, I, I get the morning and the afternoon updates on the business journal, so I'm always keeping an eye on it. I'm very glad to hear that. Uh, I'll, I know I'll also plug my colleague, Catherine Hardison. Yep. who covers the city council and she has been keeping an eagle eye on the LDC rewrites and she'll probably know what's going on before the city council. Even does, so. That's awesome. I will keep an eye on that too. Um, so Michelle, you know, with Austin facing certain issues, what are reasons that you believe people should look at investing in Austin? I know you've lived in San Francisco, so you've had a perspective of being able to see San Francisco. Uh, you're from Dallas, so you've had the perspective of being able to see Dallas grow so rapidly. Why? What are some reasons that you think people should look at investing in Austin? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think one of the biggest and perhaps most obvious um, choices, and it's kind of a, like a feedback loop, but uh, one of the biggest and most obvious reasons is, uh, you know, big tech's focus on the Austin area. So we've seen increased investments from Tesla and Samsung, $17 billion in Taylor. Um, so really what we've learned is that this area is very valuable to um, businesses. So when a big business, a big international business like Apple 
increases their investment here, that means more workers. That means even uh, the spillover effect of people who aren't working in tech, but are drawn to that sort of vibrancy. Um, people may be coming from Seattle or San Francisco, places where there is a huge tech presence. Um, and then, you know, thinking that Austin might be the next place to land. So I think that, and then we've also just seen um, a huge, huge population growth uh, kind of outside of that or in tandem with that. Uh, I think it was Hayes County um, was the fastest growing county in the country between 2010 and 2020. Um, and it's just things like that. So everyone is being drawn to Central Texas right now. It's kind of like everyone thinks that there is this unlimited supply of land. Um, but at the same time, we're seeing prices rise. So investors in particular are really drawn to it, um, maybe even to grab and hold on to, because as we're seeing, even just the raw land prices are going up so fast. So what we're seeing is investors coming in, buying up a ranch, you know, big ranch property that goes on the market, not necessarily developing it, um, but then going back and like not even flipping it, just holding onto it for a minute and then selling it after it's appreciated a bit. So I think what we're seeing is just this kind of unchecked value add here in Austin and it's population growth, it's workforce growth, it's investments from these major companies. It's also just kind of quality of life. Austin is a pretty nature focused city. Uh, Central Texas, and I can say this because I'm from Dallas, is one of the most beautiful parts of Texas. Um, <laughs> there's actually hills here. So I think it's less of a shock to someone who maybe comes from the Bay Area to come to a place like Austin. Um, it's less of a, a lifestyle change. So for all of those reasons, I think if you're looking to make money, I think it's a pretty safe bet to invest in property here in Austin. Absolutely. No, I, I hold the same sentiment. And I, I even like that it's not just Austin. It's not just the city of Austin. Like you mentioned Samsung out in Taylor. For those not from Austin, Taylor is about 45 minutes from downtown Austin. So it's it's a completely different city. It's not Austin. It's not a suburb of Austin that I would even call. It's a different city. Um, and there, now there's a bunch of development going on down in Lockhart. And you talked about all the developments south of Austin and and Kyle and in Buda and areas like that. And uh, I can even recall there's crypto mines going in, in like Rockdale and Temple and, and all these areas just out on the periphery that I think, you know, we talked about Dallas. I think we're going to have more of just a large metropolis that spreads, say, an hour, an hour and a half from downtown, which is not uncommon for a large metropolis. But Personally, I think we're still real early on in the development of the Austin area. And I'm excited to see where it goes, where I think that what people call Austin is going to be much further out than what people called Austin five years ago, five years later. I think you're exactly right. And it really struck me. One of the first people I spoke with when I started this job, um, I had written maybe two or three stories already within the first month comparing Austin to San Francisco, um, just because that was on everyone's minds. And then I spoke with someone who was like, it's not going to be San Francisco. It's going to be L.A. 
which if you're not familiar, is this sprawling metropolis um, where everywhere is two hours from the beach is the running joke. But it's just like the area that we know of as LA is massive. And here in central Texas, we've got the land to do that sprawl, um, which is, I think, why you hit it kind of right on the head. Yeah. And yeah, I think it, it, like you said, it's kind of unfair to compare Austin to San Francisco because we don't have this massive ocean on one side. Um, we don't have bodies of water around us. We don't have too many geographical barriers other than Lake Travis, of course, but there's so much land on the East side and on the North side, and there's still a fair amount on the South side. So, uh, we have so much capability and ability to expand here and, and, you know, cause you write these articles, there's already massive subdivisions going in on the Southeast and East sides and Bastrop is starting to kind of just roll into Austin as mm -hmm. film studios and all these crazy things move out there. I talked to, I was on a plane to Austin recently. I talked to a lady that used to live on Lake Austin. So prime spot, essentially downtown Austin. And she said, there's too much going on down here. Move out to Bastrop, which I don't think people would have ever done that five or six years ago. But now it's like, hey, it's just down the street. I think more and more we're going to see that. Absolutely. We hear a lot about Bastrop in terms of development um, here at the ABJ. And I think you mentioned a good point, too, where people kind of now more than ever, and y'all know this, um, probably best are they have the freedom to move where they want. So we're seeing people move from the city center to the suburbs or even to a more rural area. And I actually just wrote about some ranch land that went on sale and mm. spoke with someone who was like, ranchers are even <clears throat> selling and getting out of Dodge, getting out of the way of the sprawl because they can, they can make a profit and, you know, just kind of, move to a different ranch land, continue their operation. And I think that flexibility is, it's really interesting to see. Um, oh, what are they called? So do you know when you go hiking and there are, I think they're called desire paths. So they're the paths that are, you know, paved through the woods. Mm -hmm. And then there are the offshoots that people have just kind of made with their own feet. And you can tell they're not official paths, mm -hmm. but um they're just kind of where people wanted to go. And I think we're seeing those desire paths, so to speak, crop up here in Austin. And we're seeing people go to Bastrop by choice. And we're seeing people, you know, move out of, you know, uh, Georgetown and farther north by choice. We're, we're just seeing like where people are actually wanting to go. Um, and I think that's some of the most interesting insights I get from realtors mm -hmm. when I speak to them for my stories is, what the heck are your clients telling you are there reasons for moving or buying? Oh yeah. And I run a re residential real estate team here in central Austin, but I talk to, I would say uh, people that are getting closer to retirement say, Hey, I've lived in Austin for 20 or 25 or maybe even 10 years. And I'm ready to get out a little bit. As long as I can drive to the airport in an hour, hour and a half, I can get to a hospital in a reasonable amount of time. That's okay. And I want some land and I want some space. I would say the most common theme with people who are selling their house to downsize and retire is they want, they want land and they want to be out away from stuff. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think the, is the ranch you're referring to the one up in Williamson County? Yes. Big ranch. Yeah. I just read that article. Um, <laughs> the ranchers and farmers are some smart people. They know how to hold on to their land and get rid of it when it makes sense to, like you said, downsize something further out that they could still hold on to a lot of that, those gains they made from that land and continue to operate their business. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's so many ranchers and farmers who are operating their business relatively in close to town and they've been doing that forever and don't want to get rid of their land so i think people see it and they say why wouldn't they sell and it's hard to understand that this is this person's home this is their business they've been doing it since the beginning of time essentially maybe their family's family started that ranch and that's just what they do but yeah there's they pop up every so often and there's some huge opportunities to get a hold of a lot of land somewhat close to town when that happens. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join GoBundance.com slash Emerge, GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Absolutely. The ranch land I just wrote about was about 1,500 acres, and it was, I think, the largest or a comparable plot of land hadn't gone on the market since 2019. So they're rare that these big, big ranches go on the market, um, particularly in Williamson County. But we do also see ranches like Robinson Ranch um, up north of Austin kind of get parceled out. So Apple's campus is on land formerly owned by the owners of Robinson Ranch. Um, I think actually both of Apple's campuses in North Austin and Amazon just bought some some of that ranch land. So some ranch owners are kind of parceling it out. Um, some are keeping it together, but it is it is this push and pull of do I keep this land that's been in my family's uh, possession for generations um, or do I you know forge ahead and you know, give it to a developer of a subdivision or give it to a tech company to build a new campus. And, you know, it's interesting to see what people are deciding. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so many different facets of that, you know, it's emotional, it's a business decision. There's so many pieces to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So Michelle, you've been writing for the Austin business journal for a while now. What attracted you to writing about real estate in Austin? Yeah. So I mentioned to you before uh, this call that I had always been interested in business reporting Mm -hmm. and I uh, focused on economics in college and was really interested in it. And I think that housing is one of the parts of business reporting that really hits the intersection of, you know, we're looking at supply and demand, but we're also looking at people and we're looking at home ownership, which is a huge indicator of quality of life, of, you know, wealth creation, of inequity. There's just a lot of, a lot of things to talk about when we talk about housing, affordability being one of the main ones. And so I think that it's a topic that hits really close to home to a lot of people. And it's a topic that you can't ignore here in Austin. Um, I actually laugh because it's kind of 
it's party conversation here. You go <laughs> to like a dinner party and people just start talking about the housing market and I'll be like, hey, I actually, I cover that. Um, but it's it's all anyone wants to talk about. And for good reason, it's, it's one of the biggest issues here in Austin as we're seeing this unprecedented population growth. Um, so I think that it was a combination of, I really love Austin. And I think that there's just so much to talk about in terms of residential real estate. And there's kind of no better time to do it. Love it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I love how you said that it's party conversation anymore. Everybody wants to talk about real estate all the time. I probably end up talking about it so much that I just really enjoy the times I'm not talking about real estate. <laughs> it's nice that people don't know sometimes and we just get to talk about whatever else is going on, you know, pets and nature and those types of things, but <laughs> I love real estate. Uh, I've always loved real estate personally. And yeah, you said that it's tied to so much. Um, something that I think you were inferring to, but didn't mention is it's so much tied to stability of families and people, you know, and so many reasons why somebody wouldn't sell their ranch or wouldn't sell their house, even though it's worth a ton of money. It's, it's your home and it's where you raised your kids or maybe where you're raising your kids. And it just doesn't make sense always to get rid of that. And when it does, you might be a little emotional about how you get rid of it. So there's so many pieces to housing. It's so just tied to who we are as human beings. And it's, it's easy to lose sight of that and just put the dollar amount on it, but that it's never a, about the dollars for most people. Uh, maybe some, some investor in New York who's buying land and they're going to develop it and sell it. And they, they don't have anything to do with it, but rarely. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's interesting too here in Austin is there is such a sense of community and, you know, people really do care. And it also, it helps me stay grounded, I guess, in not just talking about investment opportunities and things like that, but talking about workforce housing, um, where are our teachers going to live? Um, where are the people who are going to work in the Samsung, Samsung uh, chip making factory going to live? Um, these aren't necessarily super high paying jobs. And, you know, we just, as a community, I think, do a relatively good job of paying attention and talking about it. And um, I just think that that's something that is unique about Austin. Yeah, no, I actually really think it's a great idea that Samsung moved out so far outside of town. So their workers can afford to live relatively close to their work and they can afford to live in a really nice little town. Taylor is an awesome little spot. Um, anybody that's not been out there, it's got a really cool little main street, uh, some really nice little restaurants on there. Particularly there's an Italian restaurant that we went to that I really enjoyed. And, you know, that's just a great place for their workers to live and have a great quality of life. Um, and I know the people in Taylor want to make sure that Taylor stays Taylor, even with this massive investment coming in. So, yeah, that's cool stuff. Like you said, that we pay attention to more than just money. And that's a big part of it. Um, so more on the investment side, Michelle, do you have any reasons where you would say, you know, we try to 
paint a good picture of what reality is like here on this podcast. And we talk a lot about what works in Austin, a lot about what doesn't work in Austin. Do you have anything that you would like to tell our listeners that maybe you shouldn't do, you know, something to stay away from that might not be a good investment or, or might not be a great reason for you to invest in Austin under these circumstances? Uh, I know it's a little different question, but. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think what, so to start off, I think a good investment is more housing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that kind of goes without saying we've got such a dearth. Um, I have heard, I'm not an authority on this, uh, but I've heard that flipping here in Austin is an uphill battle. And part of that is likely what we just talked about, where the community um, pushes back against it. So we're seeing a lot of neighborhoods here in Austin. Um, I'm up in North Austin. Uh, we're seeing a lot of neighborhoods that have been around for ages and, um, one by one, the houses on the street are getting flipped and neighbors really don't like, um, feeling like they're being stripped of, you know, their neighborhood character or, um, that they're being pushed out of where they've lived for a long time. So I think that is something for investors to be cognizant of um, and just, you know, empathetic about if that's the route that they're going to go on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. There's stuff that works really well here in Austin. I think, like you said, flipping, while it can be done, it's extremely difficult for so many reasons, not to mention it's very competitive. There's so many people trying to do it. Um, but yeah, un- understand what you're doing, understand what you're getting into. If you can create more housing, generally you're going to be met with open arms by most people. Uh, maybe not the zoning code in some areas right now, but they're working on that. So, you know, once, once that gets worked out, which I'm confident that it will eventually, that's a great place to go, you know, give the community what they need and what they need is more housing because essentially if we have more housing, the cost of housing can't rise as rapidly. So there's one house for rent. You can pretty much ask whatever you want, but if you've got 25 houses for rent, you've got a little more competition there, but we have such a supply constraint and so many people looking for these things that that's what's pushed us into these, these crazy price jumps on everything, rentals included, the more housing we have, the better. So yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. Look at what the community needs, give the community that. That's a great piece of advice. Um, what's something you would tell some, a newer investor looking to invest in Austin? Like what, what to look for, uh, maybe what areas? And I, I, you kind of, you alluded to something earlier that I talk about with a lot, but I'll, I'll follow up on that here in just a second. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here, and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so I think the piece of advice that I've heard from developers um, that just rings very true is, look, A, where the businesses are, Mm-hmm. Um, and be kind of off the beaten path mm-hmm. um, and see East Austin. So I think <laughs> that, so uh, these big, te- big tech companies are kind of like 
bellwethers. I did a story a bit back showing how much um, pricing had home pricing had risen uh, around each of the big tech campuses, and it's it's just staggering. And I think that it's a bit of a delay. So like, there's still there's still land or investment opportunities out in Taylor. Um, and I think off the beaten path, like you mentioned how charming Taylor is, you kind of can't find a town around here that isn't super charming and that people don't want to live in. So I think obviously prices in the center of the city of Austin are going to be astronomical. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking in a place like Cedar Park or Georgetown, um, or Buda, then you might find more opportunity and you're still going to find a lot of interest. Um, and see, I mentioned East Austin just because, you know, it was sort of the, um, underdog for so many years here in Austin. And then Tesla went out there and proved that, uh, it's a place where development can, and is very much happening. So I think that those are just things that I gleaned from other developers that seem to bear out. Yeah, no, I think it's really easy to say, I get a lot of people ask me, Hey, where's appreciating the most? And you don't always want to follow where has in the past appreciated the most. I really liked how you're saying, Hey, there's all these really cool, small towns, Elgin, Taylor, Bastrop. They're awesome little places that you can go hang out. Lockhart is one that seemed to have been overlooked for a while. And now there's all sorts of biotech companies going out there and crazy stuff that you would never think would go out to Lockhart. Um, but they're really cool little places. And if you have a longer time horizon, maybe look out of where business is moving to in, in the near future and invest out there rather than saying, Hey, I want to be right in you know, close, close in East Austin, West of 183. Um, that's, kind of had its its rapid rise not that it's not rising very rapidly again but get out a little further get out towards 130 you know get out towards some of those periphery towns mm-hmm. but you alluded to this earlier you know don't go in and try to change the look of everything or change the whole town or you might be met with resistance as an investor <clears throat> awesome um michelle What's next for you? Do you have a, some long-term goals of where you're going, a different vision? I know you've done some different kinds of reporting in the past, and you know, you've always been interested in business and obviously business in Texas. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself going in the future? Yeah, so I think that it's a funny question. I am still relatively new here in Austin covering housing. Um, and so I think that there's still so much to do here that I, I don't see myself leaving this area or this topic anytime soon. Um, I think that at the business journal, they do a really good job of being open to different stories to tell and different ways to tell stories. And one thing that I know we want to do more in the coming year is focus on that human side, that, that worker side, um, who's living this workforce housing. So I think that the next step in, um, in my journey covering housing, at least is to really drill down and tell, tell about the human effects of the macro trends that we cover every day. 
Oh, love that. That's really cool. Yeah, I think it's so easy to say, hey, um, you know, Tesla moved in here. Isn't this so great for these neighborhoods of Hornsby Bend? Um, and I'm sure there's different perspectives on that. Maybe it was, it's great for the home values, but wasn't as great for traffic in the area. It wasn't as great for the, the people who lived there that liked that it was quiet and not much was going on. But yeah, I think there's so many different pieces to real estate other than this is just going to push values up in this area. And absolutely why I think people need to all subscribe to the Austin Business Journal. It's something nominal, like 150 bucks a year, maybe. Am I right? I don't know. I believe we have, we might have a better deal with ABOR. So. Oh, with ABOR. Yeah, I know I get a discount. Um, but especially every realtor needs to subscribe to it. But everybody that's interested in Austin real estate investing should subscribe to the Austin Business Journal and read Michelle's awesome articles. Um, Michelle, do you have a favorite business or mindset book that you kind of read that helps? Obviously, anything you read is probably helping with your writing, but do you have something that you've enjoyed reading that you like to tell our listeners about? Yeah, so I really like this question. And at first I thought I wouldn't have an answer, but um, Amy Poehler, I'm sure you're familiar, mm -hmm. has a wonderful book called Yes, Please. And it's full of just like amazing tidbits on how to kind of stay positive. Um, and it, it sounds a bit trite when I'm talking about it, but some of them just, some of the things that she says just really can help you push through, um, times in business when you're thinking you're not, you know, ready or unsure. Um, it's my sister actually showed me the book, uh, years back and we, it's become something that we read, we reread, um, every now and then when we need a little, a little inspiration from Leslie Nope herself. So <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's always good to keep a positive mindset in business because things don't always go well and things can seem difficult and it's easy to think that all is lost, but in reality, it's easy to focus on a really small piece in time and think, Oh, all is lost where everything else has just been great. Right. Um, that, that makes me think about the pandemic and say April, March, April, May, 2020 where we all thought everything was going down. We said, mm -hmm. this is going to be bad. This is terrible. We need to get out of everything, sell all the real estate, um, go hide somewhere. It's going to be really, but then look what happened after that. So uh, you just got to keep a positive mindset and, and understand that things will be okay. But I really like that. I will check out that book. All right. Can you give me the title one more time? Yes, please. By Amy Poehler. All right. Um, Michelle, is there a preferred way that can, people can learn more about you or get a hold of you? Yeah. So my email is pretty easy. It's my first initial M as in Michelle, pitcher, P I T C H E R, at bizjournals.com. M pitcher at bizjournals.com. Awesome. And most important question of the day, Michelle, what is your favorite restaurant in Austin? I'm so glad you asked. I am a P. Terry's girl through and through. Oh, you and my girlfriend would get along. She loves it. That's her favorite. Like, no matter what, it's always P. Terry's. I have a hard time telling people, my friends back in California, that 
we have something way better than in and out and it's called P. Terry's. Uh, so on that subject, what's your favorite thing at P. Terry's? Oh, I'm a double cheeseburger kind of girl. Really? Mm-hmm. She is just all about the crispy chicken sandwich and their lemonade is amazing too. Um, oh, and obviously the, the monthly shakes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to try out the cheeseburger. We've been there. I don't know how many times and never eaten a burger. It's always a crispy chicken sandwich. It was so good. The first time we just were hooked. All right. I will eat a crispy chicken sandwich. You eat a cheeseburger and we'll reconvene. Awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> Perfect. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on here today. Again, if anybody needs to reach out to Michelle, it's mpitcher at bizjournals.com and check out Yes, Please by Amy Poehler. <laughs> and try a cheeseburger from P. Terry's. Try a cheeseburger from P. Terry's. <laughs> awesome. That's the best advice I'll get all day. I will go do that here later tonight. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Michelle. You have a great day. You too. Bye.